It's a grotesque abuse of power by the President of the United States. But how do you really feel about it, Jeffrey Tubin? Yeah, me too. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. I am. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, in Santa Barbara 98.7 FM, San Diego's 93.7 FM, and Ridgecrest in China Lake, California's 99.5 FM. Up in Oregon on KYAQ 91.7 FM on the Central Coast 106.7 FM, Queso in Cottage Grove. 92.9 FM WLRI in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, 88.5 FM KAKU in Maui, Hawaii, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN 94.1 FM, in Palinville, New York on 102.9 FM WLPP, in Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR, and in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF. We're also heard streaming coast to coast and around the globe every day of the week. On the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik, blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Just yes, trying to, uh, as the song says, trying to make some sense of it all. And I see no sense at all. Or however that song goes, it has uh, been a, a crazy, insane 24 hours since the last uh, since the last broadcast when the news about James Comey's firing broke mid-show. That uh, abrupt firing of Comey on Tuesday sent shockwaves through Washington, D.C. Few people apparently were given heads up before the uh, before the president's decision became public. BuzzFeed reports Senator John Cornyn, the number two Republican in the Senate, got the news while he was looking down at his iPhone during a meeting. Senator Marco Rubio was busy presiding over the Senate on Tuesday evening when he found out about the firing through the Senate parliamentarian. And a senior uh, FBI official in D.C. heard about his boss's dismissal when he got a push alert from The New York Times on his phone. As a matter of fact, Desi Doyen, James Comey, the FBI director, was set to speak just blocks from where we are out here in Los Angeles in Hollywood Uh, when he found out about the news, apparently. Yes, apparently it showed up on a TV screen behind him as he was speaking to some new recruits, and they were the ones who informed him. And and when he thought it was a joke, and when he was going to go, he was going to speak at the uh, Directors Guild of America, which is right around the corner, that... Uh, that 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 talk, I guess, never happened. Something no. else came up. <laughs> no, that was apparently. swiftly canceled. <laughs> it was. I wondered if the FBI was even going to play pay for his plane back, given that he was no longer the FBI director at that point. Once yeah, find he was your own fired. way home. <laughs> yeah. 
apparently, the FBI told BuzzFeed um, that uh, at least one official did uh, that nobody saw this coming or had any warning this was coming down the chain. We have no idea what's going on, he said. Of course, under Comey's leadership, they report the FBI had been investigating Trump's campaign contacts with uh, with Russia during the 2016 election. His firing days before Comey's firing days before he was expected to testify before the Senate Intelligence Committee spurred outcry from Democrats and a little bit of concern. They call a tepid concern from at least three Republican senators. Richard Burr, who's the chairman of the Senate Intel Committee, uh, who's leading the investigation in the uh, in the Senate into all of this, said, I am troubled by the timing and reasoning of Director Comey's termination. In documents that were released by the White House, the administration had cited Comey's handling of the investigation into Hillary Clinton's emails as the reason behind the firing. Because, you know, they were concerned that she didn't get a fair, a fair shake uh-huh. in that. Uh, A small group of uh, lawmakers, just a very few, were apparently made aware of the decision moments before it became public. That would include Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, the Republican, Democrats uh, Chuck Schumer, the minority leader in the Senate, and California Democratic Senator Dianne Feinstein. She's the ranking member on the committee that will be responsible for replacing Comey. Senator, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Congressman Peter King, Republican from New York, said there was no heads up on this. This took everyone by surprise. A Democratic staffer whose boss was not informed told BuzzFeed in a series of text messages that there were, quote, lots of dropped jaws and shaking heads. We also thought it was pretty crazy that Trump mentioned the investigation in his letter. Like, wah, the staffer said. (laughs) Uh, That, of course, is the reference to uh, Trump thanking uh, uh, James Comey for informing him that he was not a part of whatever investigation was going on. Whether that is true or not, we don't know. We'll talk a little bit about that with my guest coming up shortly. But the uh, the State Department also had no idea this was going on. They don't comment on uh, on personnel issues at other U.S. agencies, but they told BuzzFeed uh, one uh, one official told BuzzFeed that I have I don't have much to offer from my point of view as a State Department employee, but from a citizen, holy. And then he said a word that I can't repeat on the air. And by the way, <laughs> it's a worse word than you probably just thought he said. Oh, yeah, it was that bad. Officials at the Pentagon were stunned by the news at the Pentagon where there was also a sense of foreboding that uh, similar sudden changes could befall their agency or department. One official told BuzzFeed, I need time to process this. I think a lot of us have. Um, Jeffrey Tubin's uh, reaction uh, on, on uh, fake news CNN uh, immediately after the announcement was probably still the best expression of what I think a lot of folks we're thinking yesterday and still are today. Here's here's Tubin with Wolf Blitzer in the Situation Room. Jeffrey, this is an extraordinary moment in American history. You bet it is, Wolf, and it's a grotesque abuse of power by the President of the United States. This is the kind of thing that goes on in non-democracies, that when there is 
a investigation that reaches near the president of the United States or the leader of a non-democracy, they fire the people who are in charge of the investigation. I have not seen anything like this since October 20th, 1973, when President Nixon fired Archibald Cox, the Watergate special prosecutor. This is something that is not within the American political tradition. That firing led indirectly, but certainly to the resignation of, of President Nixon, and this is very much in this tradition. This is not normal. This is not politics as usual. This is something that is completely outside how American law is supposed to work. But the president does have the authority to fire an FBI director, Jeffrey Wright. He certainly does. He absolutely does. There is no question that the president has the legal authority to do what he has done. But that is not by any means the end of the inquiry. This is a political act when the president is under investigation, when his White House counsel was described yesterday as uh, being told that, w that his national security advisor was subject to blackmail by, by the Russians, and, and they fired the attorney general a few days later. Now they've fired the FBI director. I mean, what kind of country is this? Well, it's uh, America made great again, apparently. Not only... Tubin yeah, can't handle the greatness, I guess. Yeah, too much greatness. Uh, not only uh, fake news CNN and those lefties over there like uh, Jeffrey Tubin uh, were just amazed by this. Richard Painter, who's George W. Bush's, who was George W. Bush's chief ethics officer, said uh, Richard Nixon had to go through three AGs to fire the man investigating Watergate. POTUS should not be allowed to fire the man investigating him. That was Richard Painter. But even over on Fox News, Fox News, uh, Charles Krauthammer questioned the timing of all of this, given the fact that the uh, Trump administration had cited James Comey's uh, investigation, uh, the way he handled the investigation of Hillary Clinton and her email last year. Uh, almost a year ago, I guess, at this point, or uh, back in July and then in October. So Crowdhammer uh, still wants to know what's going on, says this is almost inexplicable. Here's um, Charles Crowdhammer on Fox News with Brett Baer. Charles, this is pretty amazing as it develops, and I don't think we have the full context yet. Look, it is so amazing that I think we're only at the very beginning of the story. Here's what's so odd about it. This is about, according to the letter by the Deputy Attorney General, this is about something that occurred on July the 5th. This, it, so we start out with something that is highly implausible. If that was so offensive to the Trump administration, what you would have done is in the transition, you would have spoken with Comey and said, we're going to let you go. That's when a president could very easily make a decision to have a change that's not unprecedented. But to fire him summarily with no warning uh, in the middle of May, because of something that happened in July, is, is almost inexplicable. Second, the reason ostensibly is, as you read in that letter, for doing something that you're not supposed to do, to usurp the Attorney General. But second, to release all that information which was damaging to Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump's opponent. 
Do we really believe that Donald Trump, after all these months, decided suddenly he had to fire this guy because he damaged Hillary back in July? Another implausible conjecture. And we end up with that very strange clause that you read in the letter from Trump to Comey. While I greatly appreciate you informing me on three separate occasions that I'm not under investigation, who has been talking about FBI investigations of Trump? This sort of explodes on us without any preparation, without any background. I suspect where this is going to go is to that clause. So that was that was Fox News on this. Uh, GOP senators, uh, however, were, were split. Some, a few of them, as BuzzFeed noted, uh, had expressed concern about this. Just a few. The Hill reports that uh, Senator John McCain was dis- quote disappointed by Trump's decision. Uh, adding that this only confirms the need and urgency for a special committee to investigate the 2016 election. Senator Bob Corker, Republican from Tennessee, chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee, said that uh, Comey's removal at this particular time will raise questions. Senator Ben Sass of Nebraska, Republican, said uh, regardless of how you think Director Comey handled the unprecedented complexities of the 2016 election, The timing of this firing is very troubling. He added that uh, he's reached out to the Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein in his capacity as chairman of the uh, Judiciary Oversight Subcommittee for clarity on his rationale for recommending this action. It was the Deputy Attorney General's letter that was cited first by Jeff Sessions, the Attorney General, and then by Donald Trump as the reason for firing Comey. And uh, Rosenstein's explanation of uh, of how he feels Comey mishandled the uh, the the Clinton investigation last year. So that could get interesting. Uh, Did the president ask you to write that letter, Mr. Rosenstein? I'll ask my uh, guests coming up about that uh, as well. Republican Senator Jeff Flake, who is uh, up for reelection next year in Arizona, said that he'd spent several hours trying to find an exceptional an, an acceptable rationale for the timing of Comey's firing. I just can't do it. Marco Rubio's uh, response was probably the uh, the most amusing. As I said, he was uh, heading leading a session presiding over the uh, session of the Senate when the announcement was made. He told uh, the Hill that he had been quote incognito while the news was breaking. <laughs> oh dear. What did he mean there? Um, I I think he meant incommunicado. I see. As unreachable, you know. I see. Yeah, well, he is <laughs> unreachable. Incognito. Uh, so he was I- incognito. Uh, Democrats, of course, seized on the news to call for a special prosecutor to lead up the Russian investigation, which Comey had been overseeing at the FBI, and for uh, close scrutiny into the circumstances surrounding the termination itself. Ron Wyden, Democrat of Oregon, said that Director Comey should be immediately called in to testify in an open hearing about the status of that investigation. Uh, There can be no question that a fully independent special counsel must be appointed to lead this investigation, he said. Democrats, in the meantime, while Republicans are split, Democrats have been fairly unified in their outrage and their calls for that special prosecutor and or a special independent commission now to look into all of this. Some, like Hawaii's U.S. Senator Brian Schatz and uh, New York Congressman Gerald Nadler, as well as California's 
Uh, Congresswoman Barbara Lee are declaring that this is now flatly a full-blown constitutional crisis. Senator Richard Blumenthal, Democrat of Connecticut, called it a looming constitutional crisis. So is it or will it soon be? Constitutional law expert Ian Milheiser joins us next on that question and much more on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the broadcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today to make a one-time donation or, even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com donate, and thanks. All right, welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. The nation, of course, continues to reel at this hour from the fallout of President Trump, or perhaps we should call him King Chaos at this point. Trump's firing of uh, FBI Director James Comey on Tuesday, which uh, has stunned the public, the political establishment and elected officials from the right to the left and all points in between, frankly. Many of the politicians and pundits, of course, have been citing Nixon's Saturday night massacre when the former president in 1973 fired the special prosecutor who was overseeing the Watergate investigation at the time after both the attorney general and the deputy attorney general resigned in protest, refused themselves to fire Archibald Cox. That's been cited as the closest parallel that we have to this moment. But a number of those uh, elected officials over the past 24 hours, at least on the Democratic side, have cited the unprecedented firing of an FBI director uh, in this way just four years into a 10-year term as a constitutional crisis. Comey, of course, has been a controversial figure at various times in his long career at the deputy of uh, at the Department of Justice and the um, and the FBI. That was particularly true, of course, over the past year as he was overseeing the investigation into Hillary Clinton's use of a private email server as secretary of state and declaring that investigation publicly over last July, then reopened briefly in late October a week or so before the presidential election, and then closed again on the, uh, I believe that was the weekend just before the election itself, with no charges to be filed against her. And all of that happened, as we now know, as Comey was overseeing the still ongoing investigation involving Donald Trump himself, or at least members of Trump's campaign and his former national security advisor, Michael Flynn, and the alleged undeclared ties that any or all of them 
may have had to Russia or other foreign nations both during the campaign and after the election. As noted, a number of Democrats are now declaring the moment to be either a full-blown constitutional crisis or at least a looming one for the nation. But is it that? I'm happy to be joined to try to make sense of that question and this moment, if such sense can be made, by constitutional law expert Ian Milheiser, the longtime editor of Think Progress Justice. His writings have appeared in The New York Times, The L.A. Times, U.S. News World Report, Slate, Guardian, The Yale Law and Policy Review, The Duke Law Journal, and many others. He's also the author of the book Injustices, the Supreme Court's History of Comforting the Comfortable and Afflicting the Afflicted. Ian Milheiser, welcome back to the broadcast, sir. Good to be here. Thanks so much. Uh, you bet. Thank you for joining us. We often turn to you for clarity in moments like these, so um, good luck in advance, my friend, on this one. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I, I yeah. do not have much clarity to offer here. I, I don't think anyone does. I don't think anyone knows right. what the hell is actually going on, or even if we do, right. what will come of it. Uh, but listen, I want to I want to talk to you about the some of the constitutional issues here, if any. But I've observed over the past year, Ian, or, or so, that you may dislike James Comey almost as much. <laughs> As I think you dislike Donald Trump. So let's let's start with your article last night at Think Progress. You say there are two things we need to know about the firing of Comey, one being that Trump has authoritarian tendencies, little regard for the Constitution or for constitutional governance in general. Well, tell us something we didn't know, and that the firing is almost certainly a pretext uh, for Trump. I want to get to all of that and that pretext in a bit. The, the other thing that you argue we need to know is that Comey was an egregiously incompetent FBI director. Really? Egregiously <laughs> incompetent? Kind of strong words there, Ian. Yeah, I, I mean, what is the emotion you're supposed to feel when the biggest villain in the United States fires the second biggest villain in the United <laughs> States? I, I don't really know what to do at this moment. So, yeah, I mean, I don't like James Comey very much. It, I mean, there are very clear... FBI guideline or Department of Justice guidelines mm -hmm. saying that the that the Justice Department doesn't interfere with elections that it's not the job of the FBI director to go out and hold a press conference dogging on someone that um, they've decided that charges shouldn't be brought against and like well there aren't necessarily well that's not necessarily um, unconstitutional for Comey to do so. There are constitutional values implicated because a person is innocent till proven guilty. And Comey, you know, to go after Hillary Clinton's rep reputation in that way when she hadn't even been charged, much less convicted, um, is punishing her without, without committing a crime. So I cannot stand James Comey. <laughs> that said, yeah. the reason why James Comey was fired in reality, has nothing to do with James Comey's many lapses in office. It has to do with the fact that, as FBI director, he did seem to be in good faith trying to conduct an investigation into Trump and the Trump campaign's ties to Russia and a lot of stuff that could be very embarrassing for Donald Trump. And yeah. Trump fired him not because he'd done anything wrong, but because of something he was doing right, but because he was actually conducting an investigation into 
what could prove to be very serious misconduct by the President of the United States. And before we get to that uh, part of this puzzle, because, you know, they're using this this letter, this letter from Deputy Attorney uh, uh, Rod Rosenstein, uh, essentially as the explanation why he had to be fired. Now, Rosenstein argues in his letter... uh, he makes a, a, a decent argument for what you just described, Ian, uh, as far as the way that yeah. Comey dealt with the uh, with, with the Clinton investigation. But uh, Rosenstein just came in. He was just uh, confirmed about two weeks ago. The White House is claiming that uh, Rosenstein uh, independently took up this issue so the president was not aware uh, of any of this until he got this letter yesterday from uh, on Tuesday from uh, well actually Rosenstein wrote the letter describing what you talk about in, in the way Comey may have mishandled the Clinton investigation gave that to Jeff Sessions who uh, the attorney general who then gave it to the president and Comey was then fired is it credible that Rosenstein took this up himself uh, within the past two weeks after being confirmed uh, right. and sending this letter to uh, to Sessions. Is that is that credible, that he did this independently? Yeah, I, yeah I, the answer is it's really hard to know what to believe here. So, so Rosenstein, I mean, like, I think his politics are pretty conservative, but he's been in the Justice Department for almost three decades. Um, Bush initially made him a U.S. attorney, and Obama decided to keep him on. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has a reputation just as an honest lawyer who, who cares about the Department of Justice and, and cares about it, you know, doing what it's doing. And so when I read its letter going after Comey for violating all these rules and traditions uh, from the Justice Department, you know, it read like the sort of criticism that, like, a good, honest DOJ guy w- would have of someone like James Comey. Mm-hmm. That said, like, you know, th- th- there's been all kinds of reports that Trump has been looking for an excuse. Trump and Sessions have been looking for an excuse mm-hmm. to, uh, to, fire, to fire Comey for the, for the last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's been a long time since, uh, you know, co- since Comey's violations and... You know, and Rosenstein had to know the context in which he was dropping dropping this memo. So I don't know if Rosenstein is a co-conspirator who is who 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 is in on this effort to remove the the FBI director in order to protect Trump. I don't know if he's naive and he just wrote. You know, he's new in the job. He wrote what he honestly believes and like either wasn't aware or didn't care the implications that that it would have. Well, if he's some kind of a patsy, mm-hmm. where, like, someone asked him, I mean, they, they're conflicting reports, but there's some reports, and you know, other reports disagree with it, um, which suggest that Trump may have asked him to produce a memo on James Comey, and so maybe these are Rosenstein's honest views, um, but, you know, uh, again, how could this guy, I mean, if he's been around for this long, how could he not know what would wind up being done with this memo? And and that was in his letter. Rosenstein said, uh, although the president has the power to remove an FBI director, the decision should not be taken lightly. Now, that letter is dated May 9, uh, Tuesday, May right. 9. Which is yesterday. Right, exactly. And Attorney General uh, Sessions then sent 
That letter, with his own recommendation to fire Comey on that same day, and then Trump apparently fired Comey on that same day, immediately thereafter, after receiving these letters. So can... Is there any way to even look at this generously and say that the decision was taken seriously by Trump, that it was not taken lightly as Rosenstein had warned against when it all happened on the same day like that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, clearly, I mean, I don't know, like, what Rosenstein was thinking at this point, but it's, it's pretty clear from the facts that that Sessions and Trump were ready for that memo because this moved. You know, this moved really fast once they got it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll say one other thing about Rosenstein, because like, here's why I'm harping on this question of whether Rosenstein is honest and maybe a little naive, or whether he's, he's in on the con. Um, it really matters because Sessions recused himself from the Russia investigation. I mean, Sessions may be implicated in mm-hmm. the Russia investigation. And so... Rosenstein is the acting attorney general. He is the senior most official in the Justice Department with respect to this investigation. If, um, you know, the the call that that you're hearing from a lot of Democratic lawmakers and that, I mean, is really something that the Justice Department needs to do at this point if if it wants to have any integrity, is they need to appoint a special prosecutor acts with some independence to get to the bottom of, of, of what's going on. And the person who has the power to to appoint that special prosecutor is Rod Rosenstein. So, you know, I, I want to at least leave out, leave open the hope that Rosenstein, you know, may have been an unwitting pawn, mm-hmm. may have, you know, not realized what he, what, what he was getting into, and that when the issue of the special prosecutor comes up, Maybe he'll do the right thing, because he is an extraordinarily important figure here. I mean, much more important than the question of whether he would create this cover. You know, Trump could have covered, could have fired Comey without Rosenstein creating the cover. The most important question, or at least the most important remaining question in terms of how this investigation is going to proceed is whether Rosenstein is going to appoint that special prosecutor. And would he be the only... Well, actually, before I ask you that, because uh, you had mentioned that uh, Trump may have asked Rosenstein for uh, for a memo, for his input, w- would that be appropriate in and of itself for a president uh, to ask that of the uh, of the Department of Justice for, a, for for an opinion on that from Rosenstein was that appropriate in in just just legally speaking from a, a president right. to the Department of Justice much less a president who may have been uh, part of you know the an ongoing investigation is that right for a president to to do is that yeah. normal I, I mean it, it, it's certainly unusual. Um, and I mean, again, like I say, there's conflicting reports on whether Trump asked for the memo or not. Um, it's mm-hmm. certainly unusual for him to ask for something like this. You know, the, the closest precedent for something at least involving an FBI director is um, during the Clinton, in the early early years of the Clinton administration. Mm-hmm. Um, the then FBI director William Sessions was caught up in a corruption scandal. And Bill Clinton eventually made the decision to fire Sessions. The only other example of a uh, of a of an FBI director being fired, and 
Clinton did receive the advice of Janet Reno, who was then the Attorney General, who also thought Sessions should be fired, and he acted on Reno's advice. So, you know, it's possible that, you know, if Trump asked for this memo, what he was trying to do here was create you know, the sort of paper trail similar to what you similar to what Bill Clinton um had with uh with with Sessions. Right. The difference is he was apparently he took like ten thousand dollars worth of government funds and used it to build a fence around his own home. He was taking personal flights on government planes. I mean that was a legitimate corruption scandal. Mm-hmm. With Comey, I mean, I think there are legitimate reasons why to to fire James Comey. But those aren't the reasons why he was fired. You know, you know, he was fired because Trump wants to get rid of this guy who's in charge of, uh, or who's got a big role in the Russia investigation. And uh, does Rosenstein, uh, before I move on to that exactly, uh, does Rosenstein, in this case, w- w- he would be questioned, would he not? I mean, this this firing itself is now. Uh, something that would would trigger some sort of an investigation. Rosenstein would therefore be questioned if the president asked him to do this. Isn't that alone enough of a reason for Rosen at this point immediately to announce that he will uh, hire a special independent special prosecutor? Yeah, I mean, Rosenstein's going to have to testify before some congressional committees. Mm -hmm. And I don't think the timeline here is going to remain secret for very long. But, yeah, I mean, if I was Rod Rosenstein and I wanted to, like, still have a reputation, and, you know, I still still wanted to have, like, you know, people respect my professional integrity, I mean, I don't know that I would necessarily appoint the special prosecutor today because, like, as as urgent as it is, like, there's a process there. You have to identify the Mm -hmm. person, and, you know, that person has to agree to do it, and you have to figure out how you're going to set it up and how you're going to roll it out. So it's not necessarily something that can happen overnight. Right. But that's the thing that I would want to do as fast as I possibly can. Um, and, you know, Trump may come after Rosenstein if he does that. Right. But, like, I would rather be Rod Rosenstein, the, you know, the smart, independent, um, you know, patriotic former deputy attorney general who did the right thing, who stood up to Donald Trump, who got fired, and who now can have any job he wants in the, in the legal profession, then be Rod Rosenstein, the crony who sold his soul and his reputation to Donald Trump. <laughs> he didn't even, by the way, he doesn't even actually, in his letter, he doesn't actually recommend outright the firing of Comey in his letter, in truth. Uh, yeah. I, so I'm I'm wondering if he will end up being somewhat surprised uh, that the letter was used to fire Comey immediately uh, in the way that it was. Uh, whether he'll testify to that or not, I don't know. But okay, moving forward now, Trump's letter firing Comey. He informs Comey. He says, while I greatly appreciate you informing me on three separate occasions that I am not under investigation. Dot dot right. dot. You're fired. Uh, th- is is that believable? Is it believable that Comey actually informed him that he was not under investigation? And if so, w- wouldn't that alone be reason to, to actually fire Comey if he did do that? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's certainly an unusual thing for an FBI director to do. I, I, I mean, I could conceive of, situ- of, of situations where, like, you know, if I had a buddy who was a police captain 
And I offhandedly said to him, hey, like, am I being investigated for something? Maybe he'd tell me no. But it, it certainly seems like an odd thing for an FBI director to do, especially because Trump is not personally being investigated. Uh, you know, he's caught up and all the, the people around him are. Um, I, I mean, there's a lot of stuff but there's about a di- that Ian, that's Ian, there's a difference between you asking a buddy who's a cop and the cop right, doing right. something inappropriate than the president of the United States being told this on three separate occasions, according to Trump, if he's to believe, to be believed, uh, that, that Comey said, no, uh, Mr. Trump or Mr. President, you're not a part of this investigation. I mean, that seems to be either wildly inappropriate or completely untrue. Does anybody know which which of those two it, it actually is? Yeah, I mean, the answer to your question is no. I mean, I don't think anyone knows. I mean, like, I'm sure Comey will be asked at some point in the very near future. He's been asked to testify before the Senate Intelligence Committee next week. So mm-hmm. we'll probably get an answer to that question. Um, but, yeah, I mean, part of what makes this story, you know, what, what has caused so much whiplash for so many people is that there's so many unbelievable details here, and they're just starting to trickle out. Yeah, one of those details, CNN reported um, on Tuesday that federal prosecutors, as part of uh, the ongoing Russia probe, have now issued grand jury subpoenas to associates of uh, of former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. Uh, What should we make of that? Is is that simply a part of uh, the routine part of an investigation like that? Is it should it be seen as an escalation or is this, uh, again, something we don't know too much about because we haven't seen the subpoenas yet? Yeah, I mean, a, a grand jury suggests that at least the Flynn investigation has reached a much more advanced stage than, you know, just a bunch of law enforcement officials kicking kicking around trying to figure out what just happened. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if, if a grand jury's been impaneled, um, that means a prosecutor is involved. Um, and that means that they, are, that they probably have, like, a fairly high, you know, they, 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 they probably think that, that a crime has been committed here. Um, now, the other thing that's interesting, if a grand jury is involved, you know, because grand juries are run by prosecutors and, and not by FBI agents, is that Trump may discover that he didn't fire the right guy. Because um, if the prosecutors are already involved, and again, we don't know what the scope of this grand jury, of this grand jury's mandate is, we don't know what the scope of, of, of any of these investigations are, but if prosecutors are already involved, then, I, I, I mean, you know, just think of an episode of Law and Order, like, the cops, you know, conduct their investigation, and then at some point the case is largely turned over to the prosecutors. And at that point, if you fire the cop, you know, that's not the person who, 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 who's calling the shots anymore. And Comey, in this case, would have been the cop, would have been the investigator, and it's the U.S. Right. Attorney's Office, I think, in Alexandria, Virginia, uh, who is said to be issuing those subpoenas. From a legal standpoint, Ian Milheiser. Uh, would the president have known anything about the issuance of uh, of subpoenas in that probe? I think a lot of people are trying to figure out, you know, the timing here. Why was this suddenly done, uh, not just so quickly, but why now, as opposed to a week right. ago, a month ago, three months ago? Uh, would he have known about yeah. the issuance of subpoenas? Is that public information or, or information that would have gotten to the White House somehow? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's normally no. I mean, it's, but I mean... 
what you have here is you have a, an extraordinarily unusual situation. I mean, first of all, presidents and like people surrounding presidents typically aren't investigated by the FBI. Like that is extraordinary. So you have the official at the top of the executive branch, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the person who has the power to demand a lot of information, you know, if not at the center, at least, you know, as one of the, the key figures involved, um, you know, that is adjacent to this investigation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of that, like, generally the, the Justice Department tries to maintain a remove I do not have any confidence at all that Jeff Sessions' Justice Department has, has maintained that remove. I mean, Sessions says that he's recused from it, but he, you know, he, he, his recusal didn't amount to much because it didn't prevent him from participating in the decision to fire the FBI director who was investigating Donald Trump. Um, and he was also so there's, Sessions. There's, Sessions had not only recused himself from the uh, any investigation into the Russia matter, but also he had recused himself. Uh, dur- he said during his confirmation hearings that he would recuse himself from anything related to the uh, Hillary Clinton campaign investigation. As I recall, D- I mean, does recusal in that context have any actual legal weight? Can he be held accountable? I mean, he even if you say. Uh, that, you know, their pretext here, their letter had nothing to do with Russia. It was all about the Clinton investigation. Well, Sessions was supposed to be out of that as well, wasn't he? Yeah, I I mean, the the answer is, like, at this stage, I don't know what can be done to prevent him from really interfering. I mean, it's conceivable that, like, if criminal charges were brought against someone and, like, if it was shown that the prosecutor, you know, or the attorney general in some way exhibited an unconstitutional bias, Mm -hmm. then, like, normally, I mean, these cases are not easy to win, but normally how something like this would be challenged is if improper charges were brought or if they were motivated by some sort of unconstitutional motive, then the person who was charged could seek to get the charges thrown out. The, The problem you have here is that this isn't a case where you have a biased attorney general who is likely to bring charges against people, at least in this case, who shouldn't have charges brought against them. In this case, it looks like you may have a biased attorney general who's trying to shut down an investigation. Right. And so, it, you know, the, the, the problem isn't what, what, what they're going to do. The problem is what they're not going to do. Right. Well, which, which brings up this question because, you know, there's so many questions here, obviously, that are not answerable, I guess, at this moment. But um, Jerry, Jerry Nadler, New York uh, congressman, uh, says we now face a constitutional crisis. Uh, Brian Schatz, a U.S. Uh, senator from Hawaii, also says this is a full-blown constitutional crisis. Uh, Nadler said the security and integrity of our democracy is at stake. More than ever, what we need now is a truly bipartisan and independent commission to investigate Donald Trump and his administration's foreign entanglements, business conflicts of interest, and violations of federal ethics law. So let me start with this. Is this a constitutional crisis? Well, so here's the thing. Like, it dep- I think it depends on how, what you mean by constitutional crisis. I mean, if you mean, like, are we in a situation where it's unclear who has the power to do what and what is legal? No, we're, no, we, no we aren't. Like, Trump has the power to fire the FBI director. Mm-hmm. But if the question is, like, 
is our Constitution and, like, our system of laws sufficient to help us get through this problem? I don't know that, that it is. I, I mean, and nor do I think that this is necessarily a new problem. I mean, the story of the last, you know, eight or nine years of American politics, you know, ever since a black man got into the White House for a little while, mm-hmm. is that... Um, so much of our system, there isn't really a, a, a rule per, or a wall preventing something. There's just a norm. I, I mean, there's no, there isn't much in the way of legal restrictions on the president's ability to fire an FBI director. The reason it's only ever been done once, and mm-hmm. the one time it was done, it was because there was a legitimate corruption scandal, is because there was just an understanding that the FBI, like the people who investigate and have badges and guns and can arrest people should be somewhat removed from politics. And so there's just an understanding that presidents don't do this. You know, there's an understanding that DOJ has a bit of a remove from the president. Mm -hmm. But there's also an understanding that, you know, the FBI director doesn't go out and dog on one of the, um, one of the major parties' uh, presidential nominees. There's an understanding that the filibusters are supposed to be broken out every five minutes to prevent the president from getting anything done. There's an understanding that when the president nominates for, for the Supreme Court, that person gets a hearing and a vote. So, you know, the, the, the story of the last nine years of American politics has been that people... Trump and Jeff Sessions and James Comey and Mitch McConnell, you know, maybe I shouldn't lump Comey in with them because I don't know that he's necessarily acting in bad faith in the way that some of the, the other ones are. But, like, people have figured out that we don't have a system of rules that prevents that prevents you from doing mm-hmm. a lot to blow stuff up yeah. and that prevents you from engaging a lot of sabotage what we have is norms that people just didn't violate because they cared enough about the United States of America not to do so. Yeah, and that's what, uh, it, hey, if it ain't a law and, and or if there's no one to enforce a particular law, go ahead and break it. Go ahead and violate all the norms. That's what we seem to be seeing. So when I see... Um, you know, there's now these uh, calls not only for an independent special prosecutor, um, uh, you know, by the Department of Justice, but also back in Congress where there are calls for a truly bipartisan, Nadler made, for a truly bipartisan and independent commission. They could, Congress could establish that. Um, they could also, Congress could pass a, uh, you know, legislation uh, calling to, you know, for an independent council statute to be created again. That right. expired, I guess, after uh, after Clinton. Um, but if Republicans are in charge here, I see no reason to believe any of that is going to happen, even with some of these yeah. uh, Republicans, you know, claiming, oh, they're upset, they're concerned about the timing of this. Those people seem to come around. Uh, they they seem to get over it pretty quickly. I mean, is there is there any d- d- belief that Mitch McConnell would allow an independent uh, select committee, a select commission, to be created to look into any of this? Look, I mean, th- these guys were already willing to say, I I I'm willing to accept having the guy who bragged about being a serial sexual assaulter in the White House, if it means that we get 
that we that we get conservative Supreme Court justice, and if it means that we get to take health care away from a, a whole bunch of people, like they're they're already in that far. Like, you know, what's <laughs> you know what's firing an FBI director? Uh, you know, compared yeah. to all the stuff that, that that that's already happened. I, I mean, the the thing that that worries me is you know. And maybe this will be it. I mean, you know, you are seeing some Republican senators who are starting to waver. You know, there was one interesting sign today where Senator John McCain surprisingly voted down and cast the, the key vote to vote down um, and an attempt to repeal some methane, some, some rules to prevent methane emissions mm-hmm. that President Obama had, um, that, that had been promulgated in the Obama administration. Um, so, like, you know, maybe this will finally be the straw that breaks the camel's back. But, I mean, these guys have agreed to so much terrible stuff up, 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 up to this point. You, you know, I mean, what's one more thing? The uh, Max Boot, the uh, conservative uh, uh, writer, he's a senior fellow at the uh, Council on Foreign Relations. He's a former advisor to Mitt Romney and John McCain uh, and, uh, and Marco Rubio. Uh, he says a prediction. If Democrats take control of Congress in 2018, the firing of Comey will form one of the articles of impeachment. Uh, maybe maybe that is now beginning to spook folks like uh, McCain. Again, Max Boot is, you know, it is not a lefty like you, Ian Milheiser. He's, you know, an actual uh, uh, a conservative, if an intellectually honest one most of the time. Um, Brian Butler says at New Republic, we are not yet facing a crisis of presidential legitimacy, but we are on the precipice of one uh, that could be as bad or worse than any in U.S. history. So I guess the 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 next uh, big question uh, beyond whether a uh, whether the investigation will continue uh, with a special prosecutor is who uh, Trump could possibly nominate. Uh, to become right. the FBI director for a 10-year term, mind you. Um, right. Is there anyone that he could even nominate at this point? Because this could be where the constitutional crisis comes up um, when he makes that nomination. Is there anyone he could nominate that would not bring derision and make all of this even more of a joke than it feels like it has already become, Ian Melheiser? Well, I, I mean, there certainly are people he could nominate. I mean, I, I hear Sally Yates isn't doing anything. <laughs> but, like, I, I mean, the, the, in terms of the people that he actually, you know, is likely to nominate, like, I think there's there's a lot of scary names being thrown around. Um, you know, Rudy Giuliani, uh, David Clark, this, this sheriff up in Wisconsin who has uh, a history of being very abusive to mm-hmm. uh, people in his custody. Um, like, I mean, there, there's a lot of really scary names being thrown around. Joe, Joe, and, Arpaio, like, Joe Arpaio from Arizona, he's now out of work and looking for a job, Ian. Yeah, so, you know, if, if it's someone like that, I would hope that there would be three Republican senators who have the patriotism to say that, like, this is a bridge too far. But, you know, I, I, I would be very surprised if, if Trump's nominee is someone who has any business being the FBI director. Uh, I can't imagine uh, him not making a well-thought-out, well-considered appointment for uh, such an important role (laughs) as the FBI director. Ian Milheiser, uh, thank you, sir. Constitutional lawyer, editor of Think Progress Justice.
and author of the book Injustices: The Supreme Court's History and Comforting of Comforting the Comfortable and Afflicting the Afflicted. Um, boy, uh, stay stay well fed and and uh, rest it up, my friend. I think we'll be calling on you again uh, soon as this mess continues to unfold. Thank you so much, Ian Milheiser. Check out his work, by the way, uh, at of course thinkprogress.org and on the Twitters at i milheiser. Thank you, Ian. Thank you. Desi Doyen, uh, Ian mentioned that vote today in the U.S. Senate on the uh, on the methane rule. Yes. Let, do you know about that? I do. I figured you would. Let's take a quick <laughs> break and we'll come back and talk about that because maybe there's some, maybe there's a tiny little eensy beensy bit of good news, uh, at least in that vote. We'll talk about that after this break. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. <laughs> Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. And the world continues. Brad Friedman, welcome back. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. So I read earlier in the show some of the uh, U.S. senators who had expressed concerns about the firing of James Comey, specifically about the timing. One of them was John McCain who said he was disappointed, uh, but it should be noted, Bruce Bartlett, uh, this uh, former Reagan official, very outspoken, uh, said uh, late last night, no later than 10 a.m. tomorrow, every Republican now questioning the fire of Comey will recant and be on board 100%. Now, he may have overstated the case. I don't know if all of the Republicans are yet on board. They will soon be, however. I agree with him, uh, especially when it comes to guys like John McCain. He says one thing. He does another. But uh, Ian Melheiser in that last uh, in, in our interview there, uh, Desi Doyen, uh, talked about an encouraging vote, a surprising vote, I guess, from John McCain in the U.S. Senate today. Yes. Apparently, uh, McCain was not happy with uh, Trump. And so he actually voted against Trump. There was a, a big vote in the Senate today. The Senate narrowly rejected a Republican effort to repeal an Obama era regulation that limits the oil and gas industry's uh, ability to uh, have methane leaks when they're drilling on public lands. So this was something that the oil and gas industry lobbied very hard for to kill this regulation that was established very late in the Obama presidency. It was still valid to be repealed under the Congressional Review Act, but there's a time limit on that. That deadline is Friday. So that Congressional Review Act, basically, if I recall, if I understand it, it says that within 60 days of a or something of a, of a regulation of a yes. regulation taking effect congress can come in and vote against it and overrule it that's right and this methane rule uh, had been sought by uh, by drillers because it allows them to basically when when they're drilling for natural gas or even oil i guess there's uh, methane is a byproduct of that and that's the, what they flare off and burn right. and and 
what nobody pays they don't pay us for that that's right, right. That? that's right when they drill on public lands they're supposed to pay the public pay the taxpayer for royalties for everything that they extract so what they do is when they say that they don't have the infrastructure or it's just excessive and it's not worth the price to collect it then they are wasting taxpayer royalties it's estimated to be 330 million dollars in taxpayer royalties every single year that are wasted by flaring and leaks so the obama administration said no you can't do that you've got to cap those right and, and you have to fix the leaks and that was uh, that or was, otherwise pay us for them i guess and definitely pay for them and also because methane is a very potent greenhouse gas more potent than carbon dioxide mm-hmm. so this is a huge huge issue because methane emissions are rising from the United States, and there's a huge plume of methane over the Four Corners region where the natural gas industry has been fracking like crazy, but has not bothered to contain their leaks because nobody makes them do it. So Scott Pruitt at the EPA was in favor of rolling back this regulation. It looked like Republicans were also interested in rolling it back. Right. But now uh, John McCain is holding it up. Is he going to continue holding it up? Yeah. I don't know if he's going to continue holding it up. This was a rule for the BLM, the Bureau of Land Management. There's a different rule that's also under consideration Uh by the EPA. So this particular rule was the only one that was eligible to be rolled back by the Congressional Review Act. It is now gone, dead. They cannot repeal it. And that's a good thing. And this only regarded public lands at at this point. All right. Well, so there's a tiny little bit of good news. We're going to hopefully uh, tomorrow depending on what breaks between now and then. (laughs) Um, I want to talk a little bit more about public lands because there's this review going on that uh, Ryan Zinke, the head of the Department of Interior, had said he was in favor of public lands, does not want to give these lands, I guess, back to or sell them off to uh, private individuals. But now, uh, was it just last week that uh, Trump, I almost called him Obama, that Trump <laughs> uh, signed that uh, order to review these uh, national yes. monuments? Yes. If you'll recall, Trump signed an executive order ordering the Interior Department secretary to review all national monuments that are over 100,000 acres or 100,000 uh, square miles mm-hmm. to review all of those and consider whether they should be repealed entirely, which has never been done before, or reduced in size or in other words, just trying to change any monument that's been designated in the last 20 years. And by a president. And it's never been rolled back after it's been designated as a national monument. And so all of that is going on while all of this is going on. So maybe we'll talk about that, I hope, tomorrow. Uh, because uh, Zinke is out in Utah, I think, right now, looking at rolling back a whole bunch of national monument land in uh, in beautiful Utah. Your public lands. Yep. We got to sell it off. We got to sell it off as quickly as we can. A lot of people want to drill on that land. It's just being wasted right now. Uh, all right. Well, well, that's coming up. Uh, thank you, Desi Doyen, our producer. My thanks also to our guest today, Ian Milheiser of Think Progress Justice, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It's greatly appreciated. Thank you. And thanks to those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to help us continue to do what we try to do every day over your public airwaves. You can also send me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, you can find us and share us at The Brad Blog. That's it for now. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.